going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops, view drops. Appreciate you all coming back. By this time, I probably will be on a plane heading to Florida. So if I'm not in the chat, I apologize. I've been working over the last few days, so if I haven't been in Premier Chats, I apologize, but appreciate y'all coming back. We have one more game to go, but today's Tuesday, at least the day this is coming out on, and what does that mean? We have to recap another game. Yes, let's go. Okay. Giants lost 29-3, and... I messed up on two statements I made in the preview episode. One was that the Giants were not going to get blown out. I was wrong. I was blatantly fucking wrong. So, they got blown out 29-3. The second one was that Robert Quinn would not get to the quarterback, and he would have a tough time doing that. He did have a tough time doing that, but he did break... The franchise sack record for the Chicago Bears in one season. So, shout-outs to Robert Quinn. Andrew Thomas allowed him to get to the quarterback. It was a forced fumble. The Giants recovered it. But it was one play. Andrew Thomas was mostly good throughout the game. Native 10 net passing yards. That's not the worst in history, by the way. But that's one of the worst. I mean, seriously. When we look at total yards later, when we do team stats and stuff, which is going to be in a little bit, actually, I want to see how many total yards that the Giants got. Because they had 161 on the ground, with Saquon rushing for over 100, Booker rushing a decent amount, but 2.6 yards per carry, and then Glennon had that one rush for 13 yards, which was nothing, but... I barely watched the second half of the game. I watched the Jet game mostly because it was very interesting, even though it had some draft implications, and they still lost. But I just didn't watch most of the second half of the game. I had to go to a grocery store, and I had to come home and stuff like that, but I had no intentions of watching the game. I would check on it once in a while, but this is probably the worst football I think I've ever seen as a Giants fan. And I will say that over and over and over and over and over again. Because at least you had Eli lifting up practice squad players in 2017. That is not what's happening this year. You have a backup quarterback who's terrible. And this is a guy that Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman brought in, by the way. So both of them should be fired fucking that offense alone. But one more week of this. One more week. But you also have beat reporters out there shaming CBS broadcasters because they're blaming the coaching staff. Are they wrong, though? Are they wrong? And let's see. Oh, well, you know, who brought in Mike Lennon? Who brought in Jake Fromm and Blake Bortles and other guys were on the market? Who brought those two guys in? Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman. Jason Garrett was not around... For the time of Jake Fromm, so you can't blame him for that. But it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And if you're a Giants fan, 
stand your ground and put out your viewpoints because you're going to get a lot of pushback, in my opinion. This is the way I see things. From the beat reporters and the homerists and stuff like that. But with that being said, I have not much else to say in the opening thoughts segment. One more game. One more game and I don't have to watch football for the rest of the season in terms of the New York Giants. Then I can watch playoff football where competent teams will play. Unfortunately, the Eagles made the playoffs, but, you know, they did better than us and we had higher expectations. So, with the passing game, Mike Glennon went 4 for 11, 2 interceptions, 24 yards, 2.2 per throw, which is probably one of the worst performances. Was sacked four times. He also fumbled four times. And he lost two of those fumbles. Andy Dalton had 18 completions on 35 attempts, 173 yards, one touchdown, one interception, two sacks. So, personally speaking from Dalton, not the greatest day. But that in the running game and the turnovers and the short field position early really led them to score 29 points. David Montgomery had one passing attempt that ended up as an interception to Tay Crowder. And one of the funnier parts of me not watching the game was I was watching a live stream after. And as I was watching that live stream, I went on ESPN because I wanted to do some notes. And then I see two interceptions. Like, the Giants had two interceptions? I had no idea. But with that being said, Saquon Barkley rushed 21 times for 102 yards, so 4.9 yards per carry, which is good. I mean, sometimes you actually have to look farther than stats. And I'm not trying to discredit Saquon. His 102 rushing yards are his. But with that being said, how much of that came in garbage time? How much of that were long runs? How much of that was just chunk runs? And you could tell it was chunk runs because his longest carry was 10 yards. So the offensive line wasn't doing that good of a job, but they were pounding it down Chicago's throat. With that being said, the rushing game did not carry the Giants to a victory and didn't carry them to score a touchdown. Devontae Booker, 18 carries, 46 yards. No surprise there. 2.6 yards per carry. And Michael Lennon had a rush for 13 yards. David Montgomery had 22 carries for 64 yards, two touchdowns, 2.9 yards per carry. The two touchdowns are because of the short field position that the Giants defense was dealt earlier in the game with the interceptions and the turnovers. Andy Dalton had three carries for 14 yards. And Khalil Herbert only had two rushes for nine yards, 4.5 yards per carry. In terms of the receiving game, this one is something you got to laugh at. Can't get mad at it when you already know the expectation. Sorry for the yawn there, by the way. Just a little tired of watching this team, but when you know the expectations, you can't get too angry at some of the shit that the Giants throw at you. You just have to laugh. You have to chuckle. Evan Ingram and David Sills had one reception for 12 yards each. Kyle Rudolph, Kenny Galladay, Farrell Cooper, Saquon Barkley were held without a catch, but they were targeted. Devontae Booker was targeted three times, had two receptions for zero yards. With that being said, Chicago receiving game. Darnell Mooney, 7 receptions, 69 yards, and a touchdown. 
Allen Robinson, four receptions, 35 yards, no touchdowns for him. No surprise there. Cole Komet, three receptions, 25 yards. David Montgomery had two receptions. Jesse James had his reception. Debeer Bird had a 23-yard reception. In terms of fumbles, Mike Glennon fumbled four times, lost two of them, and recovered one of them. Matt Skura or Wes Martin recovered one of them also. And then, I don't think Andy Dalton fumbled, but Bilal Nichols recovered the first fumble, and Kyris Tonga recovered the second fumble. In terms of defensive stats, we'll do that before the team stats. Lorenzo Carter had one sack, two tackles for loss, and a quarterback hit. So he's really trying to work towards a proven deal, which is good. I mean, he's not a starter anywhere, but he's a rotational player. He's a good backup, I guess, for a lot of teams, including the Giants. And maybe the first half of the year was just impacted by the Achilles rehabbing. So we'll see. We'll see. But I'm not saying that Lorenzo Carter should come back next year, but if it is so that he does come back, Make it a prove a deal. Jalen Smith had seven tackles, a sack, quarterback hit, and a tackle for a loss. I mean, as I said, I didn't watch much of the defensive performance because the offense was constantly turning over the ball. But this is a guy the Giants should honestly keep next year, whether Blake Martinez is back or not. You have him. You have Bernardrick McKinney, who's decent. And then you have Tay Crowder, who could be something as a rotational linebacker, and if Blake Martinez comes back somewhat healthy next year, that's a decent linebacking core. And I'm not saying don't draft a linebacker. I think the Giants need a linebacker somehow, some way. But Jalen Smith has been a nice pickup. Ellerson Smith, take uh, not take Crowder, Austin Johnson, and Leonard Williams with a quarterback hit each. Jalen Smith was the second leading tackler. First leading tackler was Leonard Williams. Dexter Lawrence was out due to COVID. And James Bradbury and Tate Crowder had an interception each. So, total, Giants had two interceptions, two sacks, four tackles for loss, and five quarterback hits. Let's go to the Chicago side of things. Travis Gibson had two sacks, a tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit. Robert Quinn had a sack, two quarterback hits, and a forced fumble. Angelo Blackson had a sack, a quarterback hit, and two tackles for loss. Deion Bush and Sean Gibson had an interception each. So with that being said, the total for them on defense, four sacks, four first fumbles, two interceptions, two, uh, six tackles for loss, and five quarterback hits. I'm so tired of just watching this team. I, I apologize. I never yawn during a podcast, but when you're watching this team continuously, you have no... Other thing to do than yawn, or laugh, or cry, whatever the emotion is. Let's talk about the offense. Glennon was terrible again, made history with negative 10 net passing yards, four fumbles. Saquon Barkley rushed for over 100 yards for the first time since 2019. David Sills and Evan Ingram both had a reception for 12 yards each. O-line was terrible. Derek Kelly, Ben Bredesen, and Wes Martin rotated at left guard. And the Giants got trapped. By a special teams mistake, Devontae Booker got sacked in the end zone. Not literally sacked, but he got tackled in the end zone for safety. So we'll talk about the offense. We'll talk about starting field position. We'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about final thoughts. And this is probably going to be another quick podcast episode because what is there to talk about for 40, 50 minutes? With that being said, though, Glennon was terrible again. And this goes back to the Giants wanting to penny pinch. 
I truly think that whether you were going to upgrade over McCoy, sign McCoy, whatever the case may be, they wanted to save money. They wanted to put money towards Dory Jackson and the other needs that they thought the New York Giants really had. And you could have signed Teddy Bridgewater. Actually, no, you couldn't have because he just got traded to Denver. But you could have signed Jameis Winston. I believe he was on the market. There was a couple other quarterback options that could have been viable backups. I think Andy Dalton was out there. So he would have been better than Mike Lennon. And I understand the offensive line is absolutely trash outside of Andrew Thomas. But, dude, I've never seen worst quarterback play out of a quarterback ever in my entire life than the tandem of Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon. And I'm surprised they didn't put Jake Fromm in, but at the same time, I'm not because they said after his terrible performance in Philadelphia, okay, we're not going to go ahead and give you any more opportunities. So he's going to be a dead duck. He'll be probably gone after this year. Same thing with Isaiah Wilson. Apparently he hasn't been dependable and he's been the party himself, not serious about football. So I don't know why they still keep him on the roster. I don't know why they're still paying him when you could probably sign somebody else that could be for the future, but we have one game left. So I don't understand the reasoning behind that, but why are you keeping him? But in terms of Glennon, this is the guy the Giants wanted. They penny pinched. They signed Mike Glennon who had seven touchdowns and five interceptions in Jacksonville and five starts last season with an 0-5 record. And I'm not saying this, you know, the Jacksonville team was great. You know, they were the number one pick last year for a reason. But with that being said, Glennon is having career worsts in most of his categories. Turnovers probably... Yards per attempt, completion percentage, he's probably doing very terrible in. So, it's not just Glennon. I think it's the offense overall. I think the coaching has a lot to do with it. I think the offensive line, obviously, the injuries of the wide receivers. This is not excuses. This is reasons, by the way. But Mike Glennon is doing absolutely nothing to help himself. And it's sad. He fumbled four times. I don't think Daniel Jones in that game would have fumbled four times. Maybe he would have. Maybe I would be wrong in that scenario. But fumbling four times, four turnovers overall, that's just terrible. It's terrible football. But the Giants keep tolerating it because have to trust the process. Have to be patient. Unbelievable. Saquon Barkley rushed for over 100 yards for the first time since 2019. Saquon's going to be back next year. Saquon is going to be back next year. I think we know this unless some team takes a flyer on him in terms of a trade, a one-year thing, or whatever the case may be. He's going to be back next year. Unless the Giants find a trade partner, as I just said, or they release him, which I don't think is going to happen because that's 7 or $4 million in dead cap that they don't want to incur. He's going to be back next year. But if the offensive line gets built properly, left guard through right tackle plus depth, that's a math equation right there that the Giants seem to have not figured out. But I would like to see Saquon Barkley with a competent O-line. Or at least a half-competent O-line. Because he was making things happen in 2018 with a garbage O-line. He was making some things happen in 2019 with a garbage O-line. So we'll see what happens next year. But this is a good sign 
even though it wasn't, oh, well, a 20-yard carry, a 30-yard carry was as long as, a 10-yard carry was as long as, but it was a good thing that we did see some of what Saquon used to be, and I don't think he's going to back, go, I don't think he's going to go back fully to himself, but I think he still will be a quality running back. So that's a positive for the offense, but nothing of that was game-carrying, and to be honest with you, I don't think Saquon Barkley should have been in charge of carrying this offense, whether it was to touchdowns, to field goals, to nothing, or in yardage. But it is what it is. David Sills and Evan Ingram had one reception for 12 yards each. That's the quarterback play. That's the wide receiver play. David Sills had more receptions than Kenny Galladay. That is just fucking sad. Sad, sad, sad. David Sills is a practice squad guy. Meanwhile, Kenny Galladay signed a $72 million contract this offseason. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely fucking ridiculous. But we can sit here and laugh. Because at this point in the game, that's all you can do. It's all you can do is sit back, laugh at the nonsense, and hope next next year is a better year. So, offensive line was terrible. Derek Kelly, Ben Bredesen, and Wes Martin rotated left guard. I don't understand rotating mid-drive. I don't understand rotating Derek Kelly in. Now, he probably needed some reps, whatever the case may be, but Derek Kelly is not going to be here next year. He's not some future piece that came from buttfuck nowhere, and, you know, he's this guy that's been coming along for the Giants. No, he's a practice squad offensive lineman. It's the same shit they did with Corey Cunningham, rotating him in. Why? He's not going to be here next year. He's a journeyman. Same thing can be said with Isaiah Wilson. Now, that was a flyer. Obviously, that did not work out. With that being said, though, Isaiah Wilson was looking to return back to football. And he was looking for another, another chance with a high ceiling, possibly, or a mid-ceiling, and a very low risk because Isaiah Wilson as of right now hasn't done anything stupid yet other than not be dependable in practice and it's not like they signed him to this great contract or it's not like they drafted him with their first round pick in 2020 they drafted Andrew Thomas with that pick but with that being said I just don't get rotating journeyman linemen last year was different Will Hernandez Shane Lemieux Hernandez was a Gettleman draft pick. Lemieux was a judge Gettleman draft pick, and he needed his reps. Matt Parrott needed his reps last year, obviously needed his reps this year. He shared it with Cameron, Cameron Fleming last year. But this year, I mean, what are you doing? What are you do? What are you rotating for? Just changing up the line combos, and you're affecting the play of your solid left tackle, Andrew Thomas. You think Derek Kelly coming in there and Ben Bredesen and Wes Martin coming in there and changing constantly is not going to affect the left tackle. It's not going to affect the center. And we all know Matt Skirt isn't a good center. He's not a good player overall. He's a backup at best. But if the garbage rotations of left guards is going to impact the players on a negative basis more than it already has in terms of the way they play, there's no point. 
There's absolutely no point. West Martin, they picked off a practice squad this year. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous in terms of the way this offensive line was built and the way they depended on these guys and the way they depended on these depth players to be their starters just weeks into the season. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Hopefully next year, once again, with five picks in the first three rounds, you could get at least two to three offensive linemen. That should be the floor. You shouldn't get one, not two, three at least, in my opinion. Unless you sign somebody on a miracle scenario, like Austin Corbett, like Lakin Tomlinson, like Ryan Jensen, you sign one of those guys, okay, then you only need to get get, uh, get three, four linemen in the draft, one for depth purposes. But other than that, you just should not be having the floor at two offensive linemen. Should be three offensive linemen. Giants get trapped by a special teams mistake. Booker sacked in the end zone for a safety. This is not surprising. They ran the ball constantly. I would have just thrown it out of bounds or thrown it in the dirt or thrown it to a receiver that was going out for a route and just punted. Honestly, because... With Mike Glennon at quarterback, with the offensive line that Joe Judge was rotating in, what honest success were they going to have inside their own two-yard line? I would have just had Glennon roll out, throw it away on three passing attempts. Maybe the first attempt, you have Saquon Barkley run or Devontae Booker run. Okay, it's not a safety, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Then the next couple plays just tank it. And I'm not a guy to say that, but what is the ceiling in that scenario with Saquon Barkley or Devontae Booker at running back with Mike Glennon out of all people at quarterback with that offensive line you have? And a solid, very solid defensive line for the Chicago Bears. What is the ceiling? There is no ceiling. The ceiling is getting out of there and punting and hoping your defense does a good job. So there's that. That special team's mistake, by the way, I'm not going to blame too much Joe Judge for that's Farrell Cooper. If you see that it's near the end zone, you can catch it anyway, and you can return it. Or if it's in the end zone, you can still catch it and kneel it. So that's just a product of what's on the field and some of the players that the New York Giants are bringing in and the players themselves. They're not executing. And Farrell Cooper was signed to be a good returner. He was signed to be a good returner or a solid returner. Solid wide receiver overall. I mean, solid wide receiver. Why did I say that? Uh, practice squad wide receiver overall with special teams abilities. Obviously, that has not worked out. Starting field position for Chicago throughout the game. Now, obviously, as it goes late in the game, you see it gets better for the Giants' defense. It gets better and better and better. But with that being said, let's take a look at it. At the first part of the game is where the first two drives kick in and the Giants game is already over. So after the fumble, they're at the New York Giants two-yard line. David Montgomery rushes in for a touchdown. Then next drive, Glenn throws an interception to Deshaun Gibson, if I think. If I'm thinking correctly, yeah, it was Deshaun Gibson. They're at the New York Giants 24. They travel down the field. Touchdown, Darnell Mooney beats Aaron Robinson. Aaron Robinson's a rookie, so I'm not going to give him too much flack. Chicago 13 after a punt. Chicago 9 after a punt. Chicago 28. 
after a field goal, and then they went down the field and got another field goal, so that's on them. After the safety, they started at the Chicago uh, 35 or something like that after the safety. So with that being said, they got a field goal on that drive as well. So touchdown, touchdown, that's 14, plus 6, that's 20. And I think there was a failed two-point attempt, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the half, I think it was 22 to 3. 22 to 3. I, I think it was 22 to 3. The first drive out of the gates, it's a touchdown. Chicago starts at their own 25, so that's on the Giants' defense precisely. Then Chicago starts at their own 22 after a punt. After the fumble recovery, they start at their own 44. That ends in an interception by James Bradbury. Then after a punt, Chicago starts at the 27, only to punt it again. Turnover on downs to the New York Giants. Chicago punts but they started at their 45. And then after an interception, Chicago, I think, was at either their own 15 or they were the Giants' 15 and it ended in an interception for Take Router, and that's when the end of the game was there. So there's that. The defense and the special teams. I think we already talked about special teams just a little bit, but the Bears ran down the Giants' throats, but only... 2.6 yards per carry for David Montgomery with two touchdowns. Two touchdowns, once again, are a product of them just traveling down the field, whether it be on offense or the defense getting an interception or a turnover overall and just putting it into the end zone. So there's that. Um, I'm not going to blame the Giants too much for that, but when it comes to Chicago starting at their own 25 and they're starting inside their own 28 and getting field goals, that's... That's not good. And this is a bad offense. This is a bad offense for Chicago. And they should not have scored 29 points. Some of that's not on the defense. But come on. Get on the fucking ball already. Defense didn't do great. But was put in bad positions earlier in the game. That's 14 points right off the bat. 14 points right off the bat. So they were down then. And then allowed 15 points the rest of the game. So you had a touchdown. You had a couple of field goals. And... That goes to 29-3, so there's that. And then Farrah Cooper makes special teams mistake. We already talked about that. So, one more thing as we go to final thoughts that I want to talk about. In terms of the state of the offense, defense, we'll talk about it at the end. I want to talk about the presser that Joe Judge had. I'm not going to go into major specifics. I'm not going to do that because that would be a waste of time. Oh, you know, going over this quote and that quote, it means shit. <sighs> But I feel like in ways he was trying to save his job. And I thought he was safe. I still think he is safe, personally. But then again, according to some good sources at Film Talk Football, they said that players are getting angry with Joe Judd because he's not listening to players. Let me take a look. And personally, I do believe Film Talk Football a little bit because they said that Jason Garrett would be fired. They said Jake Fromm would start. A few weeks ago, uh, they did say that Jake Fromm was being worked into the game plan for the Dallas game, even though he didn't start. So they get a, a few things right. Here's what they said. They're hearing from multiple sources that given a repeat performance in Week 18 that Joe Judge could be out of a job ASAP. Players have been more and more frustrated with Judge's stubbornness and an inability to listen. So there's that. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, 
you know, this, this, and this. I'm going to let it play out, obviously. That's what I'm going to do. I still am advocating for Joe Judge to be fired. There is no doubt about that in my mind. But it seemed a little strange that he was advocating for his job, and he was trying to just throw the lava on other coaches before him. It really seemed that way because he's like, oh, well, you know, you don't see players taking the vacations. You don't see them sitting here and doing nonsense. This isn't a clown show organization. You know, I have former players call me and say, well, I want to be a giant again. The only two players that could effectively be in that category are Colt McCoy, probably because of the money, and Colt McCoy would have gotten more starts here. And maybe, maybe not he's, you know, a better player or not than Mike Glennon. And then you have Dalvin Tomlinson, who is not on a, not on a playoff team with the Vikings, but was probably a Joe, well, he wasn't a Joe Judge guy, but both have connections to Alabama. So there's that. But it seemed like he was trying to throw the past coaches under the bus to save his job. And he didn't necessarily throw any player under the bus. He didn't mention specifics, but he was talking about vacations and all that stuff. That's pointing to Pat Shermer. That's pointing to Ben McAdoo. And he says, oh, well, stuff's going good internally. Well, if stuff is going good internally, then what's happening on the field? If we were competitive, I would say, okay, well, you got to bring Joe Judge back for another year and see what you have in him. That way he falls on his face. This team has not been competitive at all this season, at least down the stretch. Ever since Jones went out, none of those games have been competitive. You could say the Dallas game a little bit. You could also say the other game, the Miami game. Chargers game, Eagles game, Bears game. No competitiveness at all. Six blowouts this season. That's probably the most by any Giants head coach in a few years. In a few years. But people want to advocate for this guy to come back because, you know, the guys that we root for are the judge guys. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. If he supposedly gets these guys on the field, the McKinney's and the Thomas's and whatever, why is the whole team not playing well? I understand that thought process a little bit. But with that being said, it's a team sport. This isn't tennis. If it was tennis, Andrew Thomas would be one of the best tennis players. If it was tennis, Xavier McKinney would be one of the best tennis players. It's not tennis. It's football. It's a team sport. And 10 to 12 players on this roster are not his. But you still have to work with what you're given. And that makes two types of coaches. Coaches that don't know how to work with adversity and they just blame everything else. They blame the players or they blame the situation or the headsets. And then you have the other coaches on the other side of the ball that they work with adversity. They make the best of every situation. They give you something to talk about. With Joe Judge, there is no sign of that. There's no competitive advantage because this team plays scared even with Daniel Jones on offense. So once again, I don't get the argument for bringing him back. Hopefully he gets fired and I'm not a guy that sits here and says, well, you got to have this pound of flesh, whatever. I don't root for guys to get fired on 
an everyday basis or an every year basis in terms of my sports teams. But with that being said, I just have nothing to say anymore, I guess. I don't know. But just some quick things. The offense is still terrible. Something has to be done in terms of coaching quick routes to get points on the board. Mike Lennon's terrible. The offensive line's terrible. But you have to create some sort of quick routes or something like that to get the offense going. Because nobody's going to sit here and fall for this bullshit. Oh, well, you know, the New York Giants scored three points because of Mike Lennon. The coaching has to develop some sort of routes or some sort of game plan where they can at least get seven on the board, not just three. Going to that. Offensive coaching staff, are they playing for their careers in terms of Big Blue careers this week? I think they are because if Joe Judge returns next year, I think there's going to be a lot of changes on the offensive side of the ball. And if he doesn't return, I think there's still going to be changes. You're probably looking at a new offensive coordinator, new tight ends coach, new wide receivers coach. There's going to be a lot of positional coaching shakeups. And if there's not, then... We have made no progress, but we also have to clap for progress with Joe Judge because there's progress internally. And then how does the defense play this week? This upcoming week is in terms of Washington game. I expect them to play well, but if Mike Lennon's a starter, I don't expect them to play well because they'll be put in constant hell in terms of, oh, an interception. Now they're at the Giants' 10-yard line. So there's that. If you guys haven't already, like, comment, and subscribe to our post notifications so you know when live stream after your drops. Once again, I apologize for the 30-minute, 33-minute, whatever it is, podcast episode. Ran through things really quickly here. But with that being said, you know, there's not much to take away. There's not much to talk about. So, peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool. Also, check out Wednesday. I think it's premiering at 5 or 7 p.m. Twin Bill Podcast. Me and my brother are doing the Twin Bill Podcast for the NYY News TV. And it's going to be about the Yankees, and we discuss we we uh, discuss a lot of good stuff, especially in the first episode. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool.